And so he could, he could make it happen. Right? He's like, look, I have a problem. I have a desperate need right now. I have a great need. My kid is dying. And it's a simple request. Can you come with me and heal my son? Come before he dies. This makes sense because a doctor has to be there to heal you, right? Up until a couple years ago before COVID, I mean, things were kind of moving towards telehealth anyway, but now all of a sudden, a lot of appointments are now telehealth. And it may be more efficient for the doctors. I don't know if it's beneficial for them or not, but, but you can sit on your phone or sit on your, in your house, in your computer, on your computer, and call your doctor, and they can give you a checkout or talk to you or whatever it is. And they can probably give you, for most things, it's probably fine. You know, they can just give you a good once-over. Um, they can't check your reflexes or anything, obviously, but maybe they can tell you which way to bend or do whatever. But up until very recently, you had to be there with the doctor to, for, to, get, to get healed. He had to be able to touch you, feel you, do whatever, you know, move your arm. Does this hurt? Yes. Well, then stop doing that, right? Well, of course. Don't make me bend that way. Right, right. There are certain things that maybe they could just, you can hold up your phone or something and say, yeah, I, I took it or whatever, right? But there are benefits to being in person, right? And so this is what, this is the mindset. He's like, you need to come and heal him. You need to give him whatever, do whatever. Because sometimes it may be like describing your car problems to the mechanic when you call up and say, well, my car's doing, and they're like, well, you need to break it in because it shouldn't be sounding like a horse, Right? But Jesus is like, look. Verse 50, one simple phrase, go. Your son will live. That's it. Just go. John chapter, John, we're in John chapter 4, by the way. John chapter 4, verse 50, go. Your son will live. And the man believed it. The man believed what Jesus said to him, and he departed. He's like, okay. And he just goes home. He just rode because it says the next day he went home, he was going back home. So when he meets his servants, they said yesterday at 1 o'clock he got better. So obviously this is roughly like a two-day trip or a three-day trip. And he's like, okay, I'm just going to go home now. I'm done. Just like that. That is awesome distance medicine. I wish that could happen all the time. You need surgery? Bam, you're done. Okay, good. Sweet. He didn't even ask what was wrong, though. He didn't say, oh, how have you been feeling? Does he have a fever? Does he have this? Does he have that? You know, does, is he yellow? Is he blue? Whatever color, you know, whatever he is. Nothing. He's just, you're good. Simple phrase. He didn't even do any, he didn't even say anything else about it. He just said, go. Your, your son will live. That's it. He decreed it. Your son will live. The man didn't even fight it. He just turned around and went home. And of course, on his way home, he got confirmation that the exact same time that Jesus said he was going to live, that's when he got better all of a sudden. So you see the power of God's words from, this is probably 20 or 50 miles. I didn't, I didn't actually look the distance up. This is, you know, like I said, it's a couple day trip. So it's probably around 50 miles or so. And so here's our application is that you can trust Jesus when he says he will do something. Right? We can trust Him when He says He will do something. Now hopefully, we all get to hear from Jesus, hopefully on some levels, what we see in His Word here, we can read what He says about certain things. Right? Not down to the nano level of your life daily detail type stuff, but there's enough in here to, to help you through your daily life. I want to make sure we're clear on that. 
But the question we may be asking is, well, why can we trust Him? Why, why is it that I can trust Him? What if I don't want to trust Him? What if I only want to trust Him for these certain things that I want, but I don't want to trust Him for everything else that He wants? Right, because that's the, that's the trick. That's the trick, is when He tells you something you don't want to do, is when that trust really gets tested. And because it's God's power, that's why we can trust Him. He is powerful. His words healed this man's son. And a few minutes we're going to see that His words heal this man so he can walk. And see, it's that kind of power he, that God has, and more importantly, He uses. There's two different things. Right? He has the ability to use it. It's fine. You can, it's like having money in the bank. I have a, if you have a bunch of money in the bank, great, but what are you doing with it? Is it just sitting there? Or do you go spend it or use it for you know, important things, whatever it is? He spends his money, essentially. He spends his power on you. Because he has a huge interest in every aspect of his creation. He, doesn't just, he didn't just create everything and then just say, put the lid on it and go, okay, it's done. Yeah, that's what's called being a deist. That's why if people who are deists, that's pretty much what they say, that God created everything and He said, okay, hands off, I'm just going to let, let this experiment run, see how much mold grows over everything, and I'll come back later. Right? When you put leftovers from Thanksgiving in the fridge and you forget because they get pushed to the back. It's kind of like that. That's what, that's what a deist does. <clears throat> because the nobleman had access to the Ferrari... But he just needed to grab a few things from the store for dinner. And that's, what I, that's all he did. He just did it really fast. So I just need to take you, come here, heal him, and I'll be gone. And so again, you have the Messiah, you have God the Son standing in front of you, but you're just like, hey, can you just one thing for me? I just need to be healed. I just need my son to be healed. That's it. But you see, what pushed him toward, toward Jesus was the hope that Jesus could do something about his sick son. He knew... That was his immediate need. And sometimes that's all we have. He didn't care about the prophecy or the law or anything else. He wasn't thinking that because when your kid is sick or your loved one is sick, you don't care about the theology of it. Right? We just care that God needs to do something because I can't. And that's where we need to be. But we also need to be aware of the theology behind everything, of knowing who Jesus is. And so, like this story, it seems like a simple request. And so the next one is also a simple request that we have from this. So again, we're going to break this part up because really this whole thing is all of chapter 5. But it's a lot to go through. There's a lot of theology in chapter 5 that's super important that we're going to cover next week. But we're going to look at him, be, the man being healed here. And so John moves into chapter, what we call chapter 5. And he says, after this, a Jew, this is verse 1, chapter 5. A Jewish festival took place and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. So by the Sheep Gate in Jerusalem, there's a pool called Bethesda in Aramaic, which has five colonnades or five columns. Within these lay a large number of the disabled, blind, lame, and paralyzed. So one man was there who had been disabled for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and realized he had been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the disabled man answered, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water stirred up. But while I am coming, someone goes down ahead of me. Get up, Jesus told him. Pick up your mat and walk. 
Instantly, the man got well, picked up his mat, and started to walk. Right, so I'm going to leave it there for now. We'll leave it hanging in the cliffhanger for, for next week. But so he asks, he says, do you want to get well? Are you tired of laying here for almost 40 years, waiting to be put in the pool, waiting for something to happen? Do you want this to be fixed? And he doesn't really even say, he says, he says yes in a roundabout way. And he's like, I'm trying to get better, but I just can't. So why, what's the deal with these pools? Was it magic water? Was it something going on? So just kind of as a side, John uses the festivals or the feasts to, to keep track of time for us. And so we see this, these cycles. Um, and so the scene is set. So there's a pool called Bethesda or Bethsaida. Uh, they're, they're both transliterations of the Hebrew or Aramaic words, which means a house of outpouring. Right? That's what the word means, actually. It's a house of outpouring. So actually, in the 19th century, archaeologists actually did find these pools. So this is a real place. Right? So in case anybody, again, well, this, this didn't exist, yes. Took them almost 1,900 years, but they found it. Right? So, so we know this place exists. So, so the series called Drive Through History, I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's on TBN, I know for sure. You can go to their website. Um, if you have grandkids or somebody who, it's really good for homeschool. It's really good for adults. I watch it. The guy's pretty funny. But it's also very... Um, informative. So this is what they say about, about explaining why this pool was important. And so, the, so he says, the Greeks had created a cult around Asclepius. Asclepius. Whatever. The pagan god of healing. And so during the Hellenistic period, the group built Asclepions, or ancient healing centers, all across the Greek empire. The ill and disabled would congregate at these regional healing centers. And they would drink and bathe in the waters of the Escapolon and then sleep within the temple walls. And so this, the, the um, symbol for Asclepius is the staff with two serpents wrapped around it. Right? That's, so if you see the doctors, that's what it is. That's a Greek symbol for that god. And so they were, these pools were thought to have healing powers. And we see that the Greek influence onto the Jewish population, they started kind of having these like superstitions, right? They were interweaving Yahweh with the worldly beliefs of healing. And they said, oh, maybe God wasn't enough, right? Maybe Yahweh isn't enough. Maybe we just need to hedge our bets with other gods in case he can't get it done. Right? And we see this because, unfortunately, at the very least, Greek society had crept in enough of the Jewish people that they didn't know any better. This just became tradition to go down to the pools because this is what it was. This is what it says. And so there's this man laying there for 38 years. Now, we don't know exactly if he was paralyzed, if he was just lame, whatever it was, because unless he just lived there for the entire 38 years, you know, I'm not sure if he could leave it or if he was carried or not, but he was there this morning waiting, and he had given in to this superstition. He went a little bit further. Because it said, well, if the first person gets in the water when it's stirred up, it's extra healing power, basically. Right? The bubbles are extra bubbly or whatever it is. They have extra power. So if I need to get in there, if somebody would just bring me over there, it's great. And so he's just waiting for some. But of course, whoever can walk, you know, even the blind people, at least they can, they're mobile most likely, so they can get ahead of them and dunk their head in where they're doing. He's just stuck. And so Jesus sees this man, right? This is different from the other episode because the nobleman approached Jesus. Now this way, Jesus is approaching him. 
And he looks at this man, for whatever reason, there's all these people probably around the pool. He looks at this one person for whatever reason, and again, he asks him, do you want to get well? And this, isn't a, this is not a question where Jesus needs to find out the answer. He already knows the answer. This guy's been waiting around trying to get well for 38 years. Of course he does. It's kind of a dumb question. Right? I think last, last Thursday night we had, sometimes my questions seem obvious or dumb in a way sometimes, but see, the questions are tools that Jesus uses and I try to use, not as well, obviously, for your benefit, right? It's sometimes so you can hear what it is. We need to be confronted with the question. We need to hear the question and the answer come back into our heads, right? Because if you, if you talk to yourself sometimes, if you're, thinking, if you're just thinking in your head about certain things, it sounds way different than if you are saying it out loud and it goes back into your head. Not sure why it works that way, but it just does. But it's the same thing when your kids, when you have kids, they do something, they break the lamp. You probably know who broke the lamp. But you had to ask them, hey, what happened? Who broke the lamp? And of course you watch them. Was it me? I didn't kick her. She did it. I didn't break the lamp. Because you need them to admit what they did wrong. Because that's part of the process of taking responsibility and part of understanding what they did was not right so you can have a conversation with them. So you can get them to repent. You can get them to take action. And so the man replies with a simple request, pick me up and put me in the pool. Of course I want to be better. Because the water can do its job. Because right? he's still holding on to the fact that the water is the one that will heal him and do his job for it, do its job. But we see in a similar fashion, Jesus uses his words and says, pick up your mat and walk. Right, get up. That's it. Same kind of go. You'll go or get up. Pick up your mat and walk. All of a sudden, he gets up. Instantly, instantly, that says, instantly the man got well. That's the best doctor visit ever. I've never come out of the doctors instantly healed. Usually, I, I, one time I went to the doctor, he looked it up in the book and said, this is what you have, you're going to have it forever. There's nothing you can do about it. Like, oh, thanks. That was mid-20s at that point, right, I think, so I'm living with knee pain forever is what you're telling me, there's nothing? Right, that's, that's hopeful, right? No, it's not, it's terrible. Horrible doctoring. But here, this guy says, boom, instantly healed, get up and walk. But you see, it's not the water that heals the man. It's not even his faith because the idea of who Jesus is doesn't enter his mind. But he believed Jesus. So at some point, he does have this faith. And it wasn't just a mind trick. This, this man told me to get up and walk. So I'm just going to do it. You know, mind over matter. No, he instantly is healed. And he obeys. His body obeys. Puts it all back together. Whatever was wrong. Boom. Done. And so Jesus heals this man without him ever setting foot in the water, right? He is the healer. He is more powerful than living water. He is, more, he is the living water. He's more powerful than just regular water. And we kind of see that link between chapter 5 and the story of the woman at the well. He is the one who heals. And so here's the application. Always trust that God is enough for you. Right? And do not blend worldliness with godliness. So... 
It's Christmas. And so the rest of the year even, right, we don't need to blend things together to make Christmas more palatable. We don't need to make it more awesome because the fact that the Christ the King has come down into our world is enough, right? His advent, His coming is enough for us to be happy and excited about Christmas. How God became man may seem odd to us because we don't exactly know how it works. But it works because He needed to be fully human as well as staying fully God in order to fix the broken world caused by man's sin against God, right? He came to heal everybody by His actions. He came to fix the world by His act on the cross. And so in, our, in your daily life, fight to keep the things of God, right, which includes you, you first and foremost, separate from the world. Now this doesn't mean we hide away is when we all move to a, a commune up in the mountains somewhere and say, we're not going to let anybody in. Right? I'm, I'm going to make sure we're not saying that. But guard yourself against the world because we don't need to have and believe and listen to the world's superstitions. Because they're built on things that they don't understand, so they're trying to just make it work. And so, yes, hot springs have healing properties that make you feel better. You know, it works. But only if temporarily. Does it doesn't heal you completely. But we need to make sure that we're keeping God in front of our eyes and our minds at all times. So here's the conclusion, right? God the Father wants to heal His children. He wanted to ensure that you and I were healed not just physically, and not primarily physically, but more importantly, spiritually. That you were reconciled and made right with His holiness through the blood of Christ. We are made holy through His blood, the blood of the Lamb. His death on the cross, His resurrection. Because God has the power to heal His broken people physically when He chooses. Right? He can still do that if He chooses to heal somebody here or whatever. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but He has that ability to do it. I don't think He ever lost the ability, but what it is the ability is, I have not been given that ability. Other people who claim to be apostles have not been given that ability, as far as I know, to do those things. It's still possible, because with God everything is possible. But what He has done, He has chosen to heal His people spiritually on the cross, the sacrifice of Jesus. He healed, He even conquered death with the resurrection on that third day. And that is why we celebrate Easter, that's why we get excited for Christmas, because without Christmas there is no Easter. Jesus rescued and cleansed each of his sheep. So Jesus can do things like healing people from sickness. But he does it in a way that is truly awesome and powerful. Look at the words. Get up. Go. That's it. Preachers would have a long speech about making it happen. He just says get up or go. <clears throat> so when we become worshipers of God, he is capable of so much more than we think and what we ask of him. Right, like, the, like the Ferrari, the Lamborghini, God is way more for than just getting groceries. Buy a station wagon for that. Right, he is here to guide you through your life in order to, that you may glorify Him. Right, that is our chief end. He uses the tools, or He gives us the tools to use to build His kingdom, and it all started with Jesus coming to earth. And we know He's returning because that gives us hope each and every day and each year because we know that His Word is true and has been fulfilled. 
And we can trust the rest of his word, right? The book of Revelation, essentially, and all the other prophetic revelations that are in throughout the Old Testament, talking about the end times. We know that he will return. And so like the nobleman, we can hear the words and then believe and go on about our business for Christ. And all the while we keep looking forward to the second advent, right? That second coming of Christ because we know that everything will be completely right at that point. Right? New heavens and new earth. We get new bodies, everything. So as we go out this week, think about it. Think about how are you hopeful or not? Are you hopeful that this stuff's going to happen? Are you hopeful that it has happened? Right? As, as, we, as Chuck comes up and gets ready to do our last couple songs, right? think about this week. And be happy that we can live as children of God. But all right, let's go ahead and stand.